Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your generation of great talk radio, founder of the New School. That's me, Andrew Wilkows, your executive patriot. Phone lines, as always, 1-6-6-9-5-PATRIOT, 957-2874. The email to spell my name right, W-I-L-K-W-O-K-M-A-J-R-D-O-T-COM, individual patriot first, conservative second, Republican third, and working every single day to make this the most popular program offered by SiriusXM Radio. So welcome to the Wilkow Majority. I'm Andrew Wilkow. All right, let me go to my next guest, Tom Rose. Haven't spoken to him in a, in a, in a little while. He's the host, co-host of Bauer and Rose Sunday mornings right here, SiriusXM Patriot. Uh, 10 a.m. How are you doing, sir? How are you? I'm good, Andrew. Thanks for thanks for reaching out. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, you're 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 putting on your Jerusalem Post hat for us. So you're the the former uh, uh, publisher of the Jerusalem Post. Talk to me. I, I have to admit, I have been. Uh, we have had so many other issues that I have not had time so much to fully understand what is taking place. In Israel, I see that there is street-level protests, uh, even some violence. What is happening? Two things are happening. Number one was an effort long, long, long in the making to reform Israel's judiciary. And the second issue is the government's response to the massive protests. Now, let me step back for one second and unpack the issue of judicial overreach. Israel has the most activist, unaccountable, and powerful Supreme Court in the world. That's not an opinion. It's a fact. The judges appoint their own successors, if you can believe that. No elected official has any role in the appointment of a Supreme Court judge. The court has no standing requirement, meaning any party from anywhere, even you, Andrew Wilkow, based in New York, can bring a case before the Supreme Court. Um, The court created what it calls this reasonableness standard, meaning it can interpret uh, anything it wants and interpose itself on any issue, even the suitability of a democratically elected member of parliament to serve, which happened recently. There was a guy, a conservative, admitted, admittedly a provocative guy who's been in the public eye and is a household name for 40 years in the last election, easily elected, and the court said it found him unreasonable and removed him. Israel's attorney general, this is one that just gets me. Israel's attorney general um, is appointed not by the prime minister, is approved not by parliament. He or she is appointed by the court. The prime minister can't fire this person. He doesn't work for the PM. He works for the court. The court has authority over everything, final authority, over the military, over foreign relations, over all domestic battles, how Israel fights or doesn't fight terrorism. It's endless. Israel's judiciary, Andrew, has all the hallmarks of what Mark Levin would call a judicial tyranny. Now, the second side of this story, having said all of that, the question I have and the question I think millions of Israelis have is where 
was the prime minister for the last three months. I know Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu uh, quite well. I've worked uh, with him and uh, for him uh, on various projects for 25 years. I adore him. He's brilliant. He's magnificent. He's one of the greatest, most articulate, visionary, and effective communicators of all times, and he was silent. He was AWOL. He outsourced the sale and marketing of this judicial reform that he ran on, by the way, Andrew, to a bunch of no-name uh, uh, half-wit backbenchers. And the truth, Andrew, is that we simply, because I was an advocate, a strong advocate for these reform measures, we simply didn't make our case. We let the left hijack the issue and use it as a proxy for everything they can't stand about Netanyahu, uh, in in particular, and conservatives in general. The bottom line, Andrew, is um, we lost, pure and simple. I'm looking at images of street-level violence. The Atlantic has the headline, Netanyahu flinched. The Israeli prime minister and his radical allies pushed the country to the brink and inspired the greatest mass movement in history. Is, is, is this like the Trump playbook, what they're doing, Dave? Well, exactly. And I think many of the same figures, many of the same people pushed the protest movement, uh, supported by the State Department, uh, pushed by a bunch of American left-wing NGOs. There is a difference. I, I'll say this, Andrew. There is a difference between... Israeli protesters and the kinds of protests that we see here in our streets with the burning and the looting. And here people are angry and bitter and hateful and they hate their country. Uh, that's not the case with Israelis at all. Even, even you know, leftists or, or, or liberals, they really are out there doing what they think is right for the country. But the point is, and it would sound patronizing for Netanyahu to say this, the point is, um, I don't think 10% of them had any idea why they were out there. You know, I was, I was in Israel a couple of weeks back, and I'm on the train, and it was after one of these rallies, and uh, the train is filled with all, you know, young people, college kids, post-Army kids that were having a great time. They had their posters, their placards. Um, and I asked one girl, uh, young girl, you know, why she was out there, what she was doing, and she said, because everybody in my class is out there. I mean, that's that's kind of the way it was. And and um, uh, we just I, I mean, what was Andrew, what was Margaret Thatcher's line? You've got to win the argument before you win the votes. And Bibi didn't do that. He just I, I mean, there's no I can't explain it. He just I mean, he gave his very first major television interview, Andrew, yesterday to Piers Morgan yesterday. And he was outstanding. He was excellent. It's available on YouTube. You can watch it. But then nine hours later, he caved. Um, and everyone's kind of, all the BB supporters, of which I'm certainly one, are scratching their heads saying, where was he? You know, it, as, as much as there is a relationship between the United States and Israel, I find their political system completely confusing. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, the, the Knesset is, is just like, it's like the platypus. I, I don't, I don't, I don't under, sometimes I don't understand it. Um, when I look at, at a fractured Israel, all I think of is the advantages that, or who will take advantage of this. And it sounds like, you know, 
Iran's proxies and 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 the Palestinian the you know Palestinian terrorists and it just seems as if Israel is turning into itself. It just seems to empower their enemies. Uh, you said it far better than I could or anyone else has, including uh, Israel's beloved Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who um, for some reason uh, wasn't didn't have his hands on the wheel, didn't see what was going on. I mean, he should have, it's easy now, a post facto, and you're right about Israel's parliamentary system. Someone said once that it combined the very worst elements of the Weimar German constitution with the worst elements of um, Italian democracy. Uh, People talk about um, separation of powers, uh, judiciary, legislative, executive. In Israel, there really are only two powers, because the legislative is the executive. And that's the same in any parliamentary democracy in Britain, in Ireland, uh, even in Canada. Uh, The government um, is the majority in parliament. So there really is no distinction between legislative and executive. And then you've got this judiciary out there, which has assumed for itself, since Israel does not have a constitution, uh, go ask yourself, why not? Um, Israel's been functioning kind of in a constitutional limbo since independence 75 years ago uh, next week, as a matter of fact, or in two weeks. Um, And that's the bottom line. They don't have a constitution. So uh, it's a mess. That is is beyond shocking. I mean... I mean, really, I don't mean to laugh at. Okay, so who is the opposition leader and what do they want? Is it Netanyahu out or a completely different agenda? Because when we talk about, you know, when we look at, let's say, Donald Trump versus the establishment versus the Democrats. So you have a a figure who comes from the outside, who upsets the oasis, the apple cart in Washington, D.C., who faces, you know, opposition from within uh, his party. And then, of course, the, the opposition of the complete other party. Who is the opposition leader and what do they want? Excellent, excellent question. I haven't heard anybody ask that question, and it's an outstanding one. And there's a big difference. First of all, the organized left, the organized political opposition in Israel, hates Netanyahu to an extent that I think comes close, maybe even exceeds the hatred of the established left in this country for Trump. So by and large, this in many ways for the organizers was a proxy for an effort to get Netanyahu. On the other hand, um, what the opposition, the difference between the left in Israel and the left in America is the left in Israel doesn't hate Israel. The left in Israel is not out to destroy uh, their own state. They don't want their children to be taught how horrible and 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 racist and and uh, irreconcilably evil the country is. They want a more passive. And you and I would agree certainly on on a lot of the policy positions that they're dangerous and reckless. But there's a fundamental difference between the Israeli left and the American left. Israelis, left, right, and center, are very patriotic. They're very proud. They love their country. They disagree passionately about the way forward on many issues. Um, but Like uh, what? Because they're already socialist. Right? <laughs> they already, they're already socialist. They already have the draft 
for for all young Israelis. I mean, pretty much a uh, lifetime in the reserves. So what is the distinguishing quality here? Well, first of all, they're not socialists, and we can thank Benjamin Netanyahu for that. Israel is... One, absolutely, they were socialists, and Benjamin Netanyahu almost single-handedly uh, turned a sclerotic, uh, top-down, state-controlled economy into one of the most vibrant in the world. And regarding the draft... There is a rather significant difference between Israel and the United States. Uh, Israel needs everybody it possibly can have. Um, If Israel disarmed, if Israel ended the draft, if Israel uh, became uh, a pacifist country, the state of Israel would be destroyed, invaded, and crushed uh, by noon tomorrow. Um, So... I, there's there's literally no daylight between the left and the right, in my opinion, in Israel about uh, the need for a stout defense. Israel has been in a state of war every second of its 75 year existence. So that um, that's a that's a total 100 uh, percent wall to wall issue. And uh, it's interesting about the Israeli left, the. Um, uh, historically, anyway, the most courageous, the bravest uh, members of the most elite Israeli uh, special forces, Air Force pilots, um, a lot of them were and are strong left wingers. But I've just I, 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 I've always said um, and, and Tom Rose is joining us, a host of Bauer and Rose Saturday mornings, uh, Sunday, Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. and former publisher of the Jerusalem Post that. We talk about left and right, that that the European model, which it, it almost sounds like is kind of imported into into Israel, is vastly different. Like when we when they say, well, you know, you're a Nazi, so you're on the right. Well, that's the National Socialist German Workers Party. It was the communists and the National Socialists, right? It, all of these fact, faction parties, they don't have libertarian parties for the most part in, in Europe, at least not, you know, strong ones. That when we talk about the American right, you know, it, we talk about, you know, constitutional conservatives, liberty. You know, if you went to the far out Lou Rockwell anarcho capitalist, that would be kind of the far right in this country. They've tried to mash us into that European model. Um, and, and for the most part, it seems like everything really is on the left if you had a spectrum. And it's hard for, for someone like me, I, I, admittedly, because I don't you know, spend that much time on it to really differentiate between the policies of the various factions in the Knesset. And, 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 and they have a coalition government, right? So there's like, there could be like 18 different parties. And then if Benjamin Netanyahu wins, he forms a coalition government with like six or seven other parties, right? That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. Here is what I think is the fundamental difference between the construct you've just brilliantly uh, laid out like, are there, wait, wait, before you tell me, are there Israeli libertarians, and how would that work? Yeah, there are Israeli libertarians. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of them were behind a libertarian think tank, very formidable, very uh, a credible, called the Kohelet Institute, which drafted in large measure the judicial reform package. But you alluded to something that, that um, I think demands a 20-second expansion. Europe, time you need. Okay, Europe's right. Europe is secular, almost now entirely, totally secular. So on the right in Europe, 
you don't have the mitigating factor of religion. And in America and Israel, certainly, two exceptions. They're, they're, very, they're both, we are both very religious countries. Now, uh, we've seen some polling data in the past two days that's very, very discouraging and disheartening. Um, but the American right is tempered and enhanced by a strong, strong religious uh, element. People in this country, particularly on the right, are proud, devoted, committed Christians. There are limits, there are guardrails to which an American conservative will not cross because his religious uh, obligations and commitments prevent him from committing acts of evil. Where you have a secular, denuded left in this country, and certainly in Europe, that is not so bound, there are no guardrails, uh, that you know, uh, anything for the sake of the cause is worth it. Any crime can be committed. Any sin can be engaged in in order to achieve your objective. So we, when it comes to street battles, are at a disadvantage because we're more moral people. I agree 100%. Um, is this is this an issue between their, I guess, right and left? I know that there's a move to change what constitutes birthright or, or um, I don't know what the term is for it. I'm, I'm being totally honest here. When you could just immediately get citizenship in Israel, they're changing that. You can't just be like half Jewish or a uh, convert. Like they're, what, what is the state of that and which, which side is on which side of this issue? Well, the far... The, the immigration, right? Right, I mean, absolutely right. The, the far right, which is a term that's not exactly applicable to Israel because in Israel you have... Um, uh, you have ultra-Orthodox Jews. Uh, that's about, I don't know, 10, 11, 12% of the population, but they carry uh, inordinate and disproportionate political power precisely because of the Knesset disaster that you uh, correctly referred to earlier with multiple parties and uh, one, two, three votes can, can sway a government either way. This has been a battle that's been going on for years and years and years and years between who the state of Israel should immediately regard as a Jew and who it should not. Now, I'll say this. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. But if it did, even the far right, even the ultra, ultra orthodox under a a certain piece of legislation that's before the Knesset now that doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, if you are deemed, and this is, particularly applicable, Andrew, in terms of Ukrainian refugees, tens of thousands of whom have um, uh, fled to Israel, sought refuge in Israel since the war. If you're found to be, quote-unquote, not Jewish, uh, then your citizenship is delayed by, I think, 90 days or 120 days while you undergo uh, lectures or some kind of conversion process. So it's not as though they're going to be expelled. They, I mean, if they want Israeli citizenship, they'll be able to get it. But I don't even think, um, and you might even know more about this than I do. I haven't been on top of that. I don't think that's, even even that proposal is going to go uh, anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, the, the Knesset and Israeli law, completely foreign to me. Okay, <laughs> it, it is completely foreign. It's, it's uh, foreign to everybody in Israel, too. Don't feel bad. All right. But, I mean, I'm just trying to understand when it comes to, let's say, you know, 
uh, immigration and the sort of the birthright of it. If you're you know Jewish, that they're, they're they seem to be distinguishing between converts and people who were born into Jewish families or mixed families or what have you. I'm just trying to understand who's on what side of this. Like, is Netanyahu like if you're not you know Jewish in our minds, you're not no. going to be able to use that? No, 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 no. Uh, Netanyahu is very. I'll use an American term, very liberal and very tolerant on that issue. He also happens to be uh, almost aggressively uh, a pro-LGBT issues in Israel, just appointed. He didn't appoint the Knesset elected uh, its first gay speaker, a Likudnik, a conservative guy who... I'll say this. He didn't get elected because he was gay. He got elected because he's very good. Um, and Netanyahu was very supportive, and he pushes back very hard against um, a lot of the more, uh, I don't want to say far right, because that has an American connotation. In Israel, it's all about religious versus quote-unquote irreligious. The ultra-Orthodox, the super-Orthodox, have an inordinate amount of power in Israel. And that um, pisses people off. Because most of the country, yeah, I've, always, I've always said, I've, this is the one thing I've always said, trying to understand this, that when I hear Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, or some of the far left Democrats in this country, the way they speak about Israel, but, but at the same time, the way they speak about the United States, Israel seems like the model that you would want for the Middle East, if you're listening to some of these left-wing Democrats. And they seem to hate Israel, even though Israel, like you just said, the most, the boogeyman monster of the Israeli government is pro immigration and gay rights. Like, <laughs> you would think, I've often said, I've often said that in Israel, a, 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 a gay Muslim could walk down the streets holding the hand of their Jewish boyfriend, and that would be protected unlike any other neighboring country. And nobody would bat an eye. I, nobody would bat an eye. It wouldn't even so be. Why don't Democrats like this country again? <laughs> because well, I, I have an answer and I think it is right. because they hate us. They hate America. They hate Israel. They hate Jews far more than they love themselves or their own issues. How very gold of my ear of you. <laughs> what was her famous line? They have to. Yeah, yeah, her famous line is, well, well, she had several. Uh, We may be able to forgive you for uh, killing our children, but we'll never be able to forgive you for forcing us to kill yours. Um, And the other line uh, that I think apocryphally she's been attributed was um, uh, something to the effect of uh, we we're not looking to be uh, favorably eulogized. We would prefer to survive and be hated than to be loved and dead or something like that. I always thought there was one that was something like they have to learn to love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. I'm going to. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. You just you just uh, I just remembered it. Um, A peace will come when they love their children more than they hate ours. Yes. Yes. Okay. There. There. Um, Yes. So you have you have a nation that is having this extreme internal struggle that is led by a man who's derided by the American left as if he is Donald Trump. But even Donald Trump was pro gay marriage before Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. Um, That sort of thing. It's like their hatred 
this is something I don't understand. That if you say, you know, Israel, Tel Aviv has has gay pride events. They have, they have, yes, they are a Jewish nation, but Christians and Muslims are treated equally under the law. They have, they have Arabic members of, of the Knesset and, and serving in their military. This, you would think that Israel would be the model just because their neighbors hate them so much and their neighbors hate, uh, happen to be Muslim. When, you, when I hear Ilhan Omar talk, I'm like, you realize you, you, Ilhan Omar, with your white boyfriend, would be safer on the streets of Jerusalem than any of their neighbors. Absolutely right. When was the last time you heard Ilan Omar say anything positive about this country? It's the same. Um, I think it's the same impetus. It's the hatred of the West in general. They talk about cultural, you know, multiculturalism. They don't believe that all cultures are equal. They believe that all cultures are superior to ours, that we're the inferior culture and we're the threat and the, uh, the threat to humanity and the blight on humanity. And it's back to uh, one of Obama's statements during a campaign on a, on a radio uh, interview at some point when he said that, that he thinks America is a greater force for ill in the world than a force for good. And insofar as, you know, we can monitor or mimic uh, Iran's propaganda, America's the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan. They're two peas in a pod, and that's why, that's why they hate us both. Well, getting rid of, you know, getting rid of Israel is not going to make the Middle East any more peaceful because the Sunni and Shia without a common enemy, will, when they still kill each other. There will still be, there'll still be war and cleansing um, in the Middle East, regardless of Israel's existence, um, it, it was it was a, it was a good it was an educational segment there. I got to leave it there, Tom Rose. You know how this works. I went I went about ten minutes over, but it's worth it. We shouldn't be strangers. I got to book you on Salem News Channel. I got to book you on Salem. That'd be fantastic. I'd love it. All right, Tom Rose, uh, co-host of Bauer and Rose Sunday mornings, ten a.m. right here on Sirius XM Patriot. We're right there, wrong at the end of the story. The arguments. Of- Thanks again, sir. Thank you. 